0: Hello, and welcome to an episode of our epic X-Men reread here at Crushing Comics. I'm here with my two friends, Tyler and Freya. Tyler, a longtime X-Men lover like myself. Freya, a somewhat newer mutant, although she's very experienced in the mutant stories as of late. But this is her first (laughs) time going through Claremontian X-Men, and we have come to a hugely important story today. It's Claremont's first saga. It is Uncanny X-Men 125 through 128, which is the Proteus saga. And this comes with a massive disclaimer. Part of why we even started doing this together was we all got together and talked about Jonathan Hickman's Powers of X and House of X in 2019. These issues are hugely, hugely important to Hickman's story in House of X and Powers of X. And we're going to be talking about them through a filter of House of X and Powers of X. We're going to spoil those stories Thoroughly, We're going to try to not talk about anything past that. But if you have not read House of X and Powers of X, you've got to do it now before you listen to the rest of this episode. Also, we'll be talking about classic X-Men 24, which we skipped earlier. You'll see why. And classic X-Men 32 and 33, which occur during these issues. I might spoil something on <laughs> X of Swords, but
1: I will give ample spoiler warnings first. Is just one small bit of it this Okay,
0: so for those is of it, you uh, listening uh, at two times uh, speed, we're gonna we're gonna give you at least one whole second at two yeah, times speed. I'm gonna be like,
1: spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, uh,
2: is it is it from X-Men 32? Like Classic 32? Yes. Is that from YES! I thought the
1: same <laughs> <thing>! <laughs> Okay,
2: you and I are on the same because I when I read that I'm like, uh, this mm. stolen from here! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Yes. revelations await.
0: Tyler and Freya have something that I'm not in on. I'm nervous.
2: (laughs) We'll give you more day. Yeah, we'll use
0: my little warnings. Yes. In addition to our spoiler warnings for this episode, we do also have to give you a content warning. Some of the material in this issue hits very specifically at a past episode of a certain character's life that includes certainly domestic violence and possibly some sexual violence. And we get into a discussion of that and the implications of that on the plot. And we do mention some specifics in related to both of those kinds of violence. So we understand that for some of you that might not be a safe discussion for you to be a part of. And we completely understand that we might be seeing you next episode because that is throughout the episode. It's not something that we can just say, skip to time code X and get past it. So do what you need to do to be well and be safe and hopefully you'll join us, but if can't. we'll see you again next time Tyler actually had a question for us today or was it Freya? Freya, did Faria. you have know the
2: question I did yeah. it was Faria your question. question so why don't
0: you go yeah. ahead and ask
2: so my question was that what is one property and it could be books movies tv series what have you that you have been meaning to consume your entire lives and you still haven't gotten around to <laughs>
1: Well, Peter?
0: Tyler traditionally goes first. Okay, I'll go yeah, first. Tyler. Um,
1: I think one particular science fiction television series that I really want to watch from beginning to end, which I have not been able to do, I think I've always done like several episodes or I did a stretch of like first season and then somehow I just did not continue and that is Fast hmm
0: so that's a really
1: game. old older um science fiction series but okay. um i i mean it got it gets really strange in the middle and you know and and a lot of science fiction shows are not very science fictiony <laughs> and this mm. one is science fictiony and fantasy too so i i really enjoyed it i mean at least for those episodes that i've seen but they were like towards the end, I think the second half of it, which I think became a lot more serialized than um, episoded, um, that is the part which I have not really gotten into because every time I wanted to start from the beginning and then for some reason after the first and a half season I stopped. <laughs>
0: uh, you know, it, the one thing that really always is on my shelf, it's actually within arm's reach here, is Hellboy. I have everything Hellboy, because I picked up the library editions. It was actually my first order from IST and stock trades back in, I'm so embarrassed to say, 2014 when I switched <laughs> to them. And I have never been farther than the end of the first library edition, because in my head, I want to like sit down and do a big read of all of it sequentially. But that's just not how I do things. Like I occasionally will read something that's 30 issues long, like Monstrous or like a big hunk of Saga or something. But for me to read, Thirty plus issues without interrupting them for whatever came out that week that just doesn't happen so it's like I it's been seven years I'm waiting for something that will never occur which is that I'm going to take a complete break from new comics for weeks to read all of Hellboy and it's it's all in my house I might not even like it I just keep buying because I don't want to miss out on any of it and so I just have this huge Hellboy shelf of which I've read the first story which I really like Uh, Mm -hmm. and I told myself I was going to do it during lockdown I had that book right next to my bed collecting dust with, with its fuzzy cover which makes me crazy uh, and i read the first book again and then didn't continue to the second book so maybe 2021 is my year i just need somebody to read it with to do a video that's the way to motivate me to do these yeah things. let's do an epic reread epic yeah, an epic it. hellboy read yeah so i yeah. i
2: read every one of them in 2019 like from wow. start to finish so i know all of it you
1: so know? you are the and expert it's... because i have not read
0: bprd
2: oh yeah i'm the expert i read all of it and then bprd uh... plague of frogs is where it's at
0: Mm. Like that's the, all whole, the whole the whole Faria not an expert thing is an illusion of this program because in yeah. almost everything other than like fundamental nonsense and then also some Wonder Woman Fundament. Faria knows more than me like in every yeah. other possible because she's read everything <laughs> she reads so much faster than me uh, so it's only this one topic yeah. where I get to be really the expert and Faria gets to be the, the new <laughs> man.
2: And you're probably going to lose that soon as you're forcing me to read this. I'm gonna read this.
0: <laughs> There's <laughs> no I'm forcing, because gonna... I've seen your to-read pile of, of 2000s and 2010s yeah. X-Men. Nobody's twisting <laughs> your arm.
2: I know, it's like, oh, okay, fine, I'll read it. Stop twisting my arm. I'm just doing it that way. <laughs> um, so for me, it's actually Astro City by Kurt Busiek.
1: Oh, wow. that's a great one that I've always wanted you to read. You should read that
2: yeah so the thing is like i had it all on my hoopla that is like, like free library service like if you have a mm-hmm. library card you can go to hoopla and you can borrow books hoopla had them all then when i was getting ready to read them hoopla took them off and now they're back in Hoopla. Ah. And and then there's apparently some um, chatter about um, it going to one of the publisher because now it's publisher-less and uh, mm. potentially an omnibus format and stuff. So I'm like, should I wait or should I read it? So it's one of those things that I have been thinking about reading it since I started reading comics hardcore and I still haven't gotten around to it. Ah.
0: I've only nice. ever read, I think, the first three or six issues. It's one of those ones that's been forever on my to-read list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be even more content. All the, I don't know if any yeah. of us are volunteering to watch Farscape <laughs> with Tyler, but <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a little. Yeah. I would sample, but I don't really well, binge fa- TV. Farscape,
1: Farscape, I think, um, I just checked. The original release was March 1999. Oh, 99. so it's actually... new. It's not that old yeah
2: yeah because I have a problem with watching like television like bad CGI in television which hasn't Mm. improved all that much but this
1: has not so much of a CGI but more animatics so Mm -hmm. puppeting so yeah
2: maybe
0: Maybe. (laughs) 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 maybe fans demand it yeah Okay, so we're going to do this episode a little bit differently than we usually do Reread. Because this is the first time we've gotten to like a chunk of Claremont issues where they all go together. So we don't really feel like we have to go issue by issue. Although we will talk about the major beats and all the issues. But we cannot help but talk about the Proteus Saga without talking about Maura McTaggart. And Maura McTaggart was at the center of it to begin with. This was historically the big Maura McTiggart story. But now it's made even bigger because of revelations in Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of X, This is Your Last Warning. So (laughs) we know now that this is Maura's 10th life. And we know now that this... um, She planned to have Proteus. We went and reread Powers of X6. And we see from her diary that her and Xavier go out to uh, make more mutants, so to speak, because they realize that they need reality-warping mutants. And Mora realizes that she probably has enough know-how to pick their partners. Mm -hmm. So the big theme I really think we need to talk about before we talk about anything in the issues is Hickman has turned Mora from a, a mutant ally to a member of the community. She used to be like Mutant's mom. She was in in Mutant mutant Pride Club, right? But now she is a mutant. And Proteus was her specific doing. And instead of just trying to contain this rogue Proteus who's running rampant, now at least for me, the impression I get from the story is she's containing him because he's putting her plan at risk and it tracks perfectly to everything. No, we know about her now. Sometimes she's like, I've got to kill him. I have no choice. Sometimes she's like, you can kill me rather than do the thing you're planning. She's teetering on this delicate balance of like, don't mess up the 10th life for me, son, but also don't ruin everything for mutants. I know how these actions could reverberate. Mm-hmm. I really am so interested to hear both of your reactions. Cause this is pretty much why we started doing this X-Men reread. Um, Freya, since you haven't read it before and don't have that kind of baggage that Tyler and I have, I'm very interested to hear what you think about that.
2: So, I mean, it's all good. Like, you know, as I was reading it, because I don't think I would have been as excited about reading this without like the hox re-cont- recontextualization or whatever you call it. Um, like for that, I was like, ooh, tell me more. Like, you know, <laughs> um, and, and we now know that he is pink. He's in a pink, like, you know, our more f- suit fitted b- blob format. <laughs> um, and then also like, you know, he's now one of the ones that is helping to bring back mutants. As was instance, her like plan. Him. Yeah. yeah, and then and also like over here, he's just eradicating humans or anyone in his path, left, right, and center. But now he's a life bringer, to so to speak. Um, so well, there's he's like- still
1: consuming husk, he's consuming Xavier's husk. Oh, so they were creating Xavier husk, like without Xavier's mind for uh-huh. for Proteus
0: to consume. Oh, that was in hotspots. Yeah. Which ties to this, because he's quite specific about which bodies he'll burn through quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll get into it later. He's really eager to use Joe's body until it gets damaged and then Moore's body. So there's something to the idea of being in a genetically powerful body. But we'll come back to that. Back to Freya.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, but the thing is, like, one thing I was a little confused by is because is he supposed to be a rape baby? Mm. because that's something that he's kind of mentioned here because it's like, oh, I was born out of violence. And, mm. you know, it just the way, and then Moira says that, oh, you put me in the hospital, but you also left me pregnant. All of that is like one big eesh, oof, like oof size to 10. But the thing is, knowing what we know, that this was planned, how is that possible? And how do you bend that story to fit the current mold you know so that's where i was like what does that mean
0: well we are absolutely going to get into that tyler it's up to you if you want to dig into that now or if you kind of want to give your initial reaction pass but that's one of the biggest things i've been waiting to talk about ever since yeah. we read house of x2 i mean my
1: when i first read it i actually did not think that it was a uh, rape i thought it was a domestic violence like he was beating her which landed her in the hospital and Mm. then you know but he didn't know that she was pregnant when he was being abusive to her so but on this reread i sort of got to the same conclusion that it was both domestic violence as well as rape so um yeah i'm and yeah and then the that question came up right like okay if she's trying to conceive his baby. So how
0: how, how unwilling is her in this case? Well, I think um, that's, that's one of the genius things, I think, that Hickman did here. Because yeah. if we read this without Hickman, the debate we would be having maybe would be between, you know, was it sexual violence specifically, or was it just domestic violence, and she was already pregnant, which you've both highlighted perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I think what Hickman does is he, I think, Gives Mora back some agency here in this story by the way that he writes that diary entry, because Mora absolutely meant to be in this relationship and had some amount of control in this relationship, and I think it probably recasts that it's probably domestic violence without being sexual violence because of Mora's plan. At least that was my read that I got now in the wake of House of X and Powers of X. I'm interested to hear what the two of you think, but because the other thing that I got from this is. Joe Joe is more than she thought she could control. You know, Mora went into this with nine lives of knowledge and with all of this, you know, um, genetics information. And she tried to pick the person that would serve her best genetically. And I think we could get into, does that mean he maybe was a mutant too, given how hot Proteus was to inhabit his body? But she couldn't control him the way that she thought she would be able to. Why? We don't know. We know that he's a future politician. We know he's in line to be a prime minister. It could be that she just picked a very unsavory character and all of her various experiences with even worse unsavory characters like Magneto and Apocalypse was not enough (laughs) to control him. Um, And so I think it's just an interesting tightrope that Hickman has chosen to walk. It's no doubt that he's read every single word in every one of these issues to get Mm -hmm. there. But, um... I, you know, I think he's made a very conscious decision to give her an amount of agency back, but she's not going to, she's not lying that he put her in the hospital. So clearly something happened that got outside of her control. I don't know, Faria, what, what, this is your first read and only read. What was your take on all of that?
2: I mean, that's what it is though. It's like, you know, I think, um, at the end of the day, I kind of came to the conclusion. It's like, oh, okay, maybe we're not supposed to read every single word and trying to twist a story that was there before. And then A new thing because it just kind of falls apart in a lot of ways but the thing is i mean then it just kind of becomes like okay why joe like why joe mcterard like what about him like you know because she's saying that or she's choosing them based on genetics and stuff wouldn't it make sense to pick another mutant and or how does she know that this is like i mean if you're if you're trying to get to a specific mutant power the only way to get there would have probably been to create the mutant in a test tube or something you know versus like you know trying to go do it naturally so why joe now that's a question that i guess like maybe in a moira series we'll get an answer to someday down the line i
0: do I, I have some thoughts but tyler do you have some thoughts yeah. <laughs> i mean it has been shown that
1: two humans can give birth to a mutant so genetics definitely play a part and it does not have to be a mutant. You see, the the other thing is I I don't I don't believe that at this point in time both Moira and Xavier okay Moira X have met any reality warpers. Maybe in her past life she has. So she knows she knew she, she knows what I mean, I I guess you know which gene or which which X gene will will have the highest chance of them creating a reality warper, and and, and, and maybe that's why she chose uh Mctaggart because you know it's just, it's like okay this guy fits them all, and um, yeah uh, I mean I think that's that that is the extent that I think um I can read into it. Because there, there are a lot of things unsaid here, and then of course we can put in a lot of backstories into it. Um, but you know, until mm. it becomes canon, it's just you know something that we can we 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 think of, of from you know,
0: for, for for from nothing. So well, I th- I mean I think there's a certain Occam's Razor simplest explanation path here, which is that she knows that it has to be Joe because of Life Nine. She was part of. Apocalypse's inner circle, Sinister had the breeding pits and his camera program under their direction, although she has, seems like it was probably hesitant to get Sinister involved. But yeah. she was already a brilliant geneticist, probably as or more brilliant than Sinister in many ways. And I have to assume that Mora just took note. Plus, she had all that data plugged into her body at one point. Like, I, I think Mora while she doesn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of all 7 billion people on the planet, I'm sure she took note of some of the most useful mutants knowing that she had one life left, especially when things got really dire at the end. And I'm sure she kind of just took note, like, hey, even though she didn't have this plan formed until the diary entry with Xavier in Life 10... I bet she's got some favorites in mind that she knows <laughs> produce some interesting results and I, and I think that's where Joe and both Gabriel Harler and Joe came from mm. and they're both super ambitious notable people you know like even if Mora had mm. not messed with them they're people who she might have known about in her world right which is again Hickman's pure genius in planning yeah. Joe would Joe have probably been the prime minister at some point in one of the prior lives maybe even without maybe. being she, she definitely was never married to him before but he might have still gotten to be prime minister would mm. Gabriel Harler at some point, isn't she the ambassador from Israel? At some point to the United yeah, Nations, in X Men, at some point, would yeah. she have done that without having ever met Xavier and Magneto? Maybe, although Mm -hmm. she was, you know, in psychosis after the war, so maybe not. Um, So it's possible that Mirren already knew already these people. Uh, So I think this is an interesting question. We could do a whole hour on this. But I want to kind of move us to some other themes and then get into the issue. So here's the theme. The other big thing that's happening here is Mastermind being at the margins of the story and manipulating Gene. And I think to get from the Mora theme to the Gene theme, I want to talk a little bit about um, gaslighting and abuse, because I, I think it connects the two a little bit. Um... There's this thing about gaslighting and and abuse where even if you know fully what it is, even if you're a strong, powerful, willful person, you can walk headlong into a situation that is like that. And, And it can be hard to extricate yourself, right? Some of the people that I've known who've been in abusive relationships, not necessarily physically abusive, just emotionally, are some of the most powerful, intelligent, wise people I know. But once you're in, you're in. And I think that that's a theme In Mora and Joe, like, was it something that even this 10 lives Mora couldn't extricate herself from? But it's also something that's happening with Gene and Mastermind. Mastermind's been testing Gene by degrees to kind of see where her edge or her limit is. And we'll get into that with the story in Classic 24. But here in these issues, we see Mastermind like actually changing the reality around Jean. It goes from just um, normal human gaslighting to super-powered gaslighting, because he's trying to do what? He's trying to test her limits. He's trying to figure out what her switch needs to be flipped. Tyler, what do you think You know, Mastermind's really trying to do here um, to Jean to manipulate her, to get her to where he wants? I mean, I have a feeling that he, um, based
1: on the classic backup story, He knew she had. She had installed in herself circuit breakers Mm. so that she doesn't go over the edge. And here, by switching her into another error, by confusing her, by pairing her with someone who's cruel that she apparently loves, he's trying to break down that circuit breaker. He's trying to remove that circuit breaker, not knowing like the full extent of her power and not knowing what will happen later on but uh, you know so basically his way of controlling her is to make her evil in in, in some ways
0: Freya, this was i think your first experience with gene's 18th century psychic adventures uh what what did you think about this <laughs> what did you think about mastermind's plan here
2: uh no, i mean I think it's kind of hard to kind of discuss it without knowing what's coming. Like, you know, without reading what's coming, the Phoenix Saga. Mm. Like, maybe that will probably bring... I was thinking that this is all just a prelude to that. It is, very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It is a prelude to all of that. So I didn't didn't necessarily pay enough as much attention to it. I'm like, oh, okay, Mastermind is doing something. Mm. And then, you know, at the back of my head, I'm like, seriously, Mastermind, like... You know he can like so, but the thing is, without reading the uh, Phoenix Saga, I don't think I can speak too much about it. You know,
0: but how, but then how there without is, having read Phoenix Saga, how foreboding is it for you? Like, how, what is what is your this is creepy level on these scenes right now? I mean, it
2: is a lot of creepy level, but the thing is, I think it also kind of makes sense that she is a little bit more vulnerable because there is now like she thinks that everyone else is dead right right at the beginning yeah. and then also professor x is not there to uh, coach her or you know any of that so i think it kind of makes sense that she's relying on the next person that she found to be like you know that oh i don't have to worry about life or any of that and that person is kind of pushing her again and again right Mm so I mean it kind of made sense from that for like everything else that was going on that oh it's like yeah anyone in that situation would fall for that and the thing is like the question was that if she had the enough support and not just Cy who is whatever or you know all the rest of them who are necessarily not necessarily equipped with dealing with that kind of thing but if Professor X was there maybe things would have been a little different you know. And again,
0: I I think in both of these plots, we have to look at them with the knowledge that we have from the later retcons. Here, the retcon of Gene coming back in X-Factor means that this is actually the Phoenix. And so... You oh. you almost can explain it. You knew that. You already knew that. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, based on the classic X Men backup, and so and so, yeah. you know, with that full future knowledge, we can almost go back and write kind of a little bit like Phoenix is is going through the motions of these intense emotions for the first time, and there's maybe a little bit of naivete at the heart of Phoenix that Jean wouldn't have had maybe Jean and Jean's own body with Jean's own psychic powers would not have been affected by mastermind in the same way as the Phoenix force inhabiting the body of a woman. And even in the original read, you know, it's Jean plus this cosmic entity. It's not just Jean. And so it, you know, she's, She's enticed by and blinded by more power. She's almost assuming that if anybody would try to mess with her, she would know. The mastermind is kind of cloaking himself just enough psychically and she's not pushing on him hard enough that she, as of yet, has not figured out that he's doing something to her. So she's not, like, getting the full experience. And that's why, to me, it comes back around to the, like, actual world um, version of abuse and gaslighting. Because she, he he's just making her feel like a normal person is making her feel this way. And she doesn't realize the extent of what's happening.
2: So has there ever been a story that is, like, just Jean as Jean and not Jean plus Phoenix? <sighs>
0: And not teen Jean either. Gosh, hardly yeah. ever, hardly ever.
2: So is that the current status quo? Is it pure Jean?
0: I mean, I think Marson got the closest to writing yeah. pure Jean of anybody. Like he gave Jean, or they gave Jean some uh, some like pure she's off on her own kind of moments. And I think that's mm-hmm. as close as we've ever gotten, quite frankly. Well, I mean, the current Jean is resurrected, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but she's Jean, as far as we know. Le-
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not Jean plus Phoenix. No, like, no, no. Jean, it's not Gene no. plus this other thing. It's no. it's it's just Gene. Oh, okay, just that's Jean. interesting. Because, because a lot of people is like, oh, this is not Jean. I'm like, maybe this is Jean.
1: Because-
0: yeah. well, she, Maybe before that. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah, was yeah, Jean because... without Phoenix from X Factor 1 up until she, spoilers dies at the end of Mars and X-Men. <gasps> Although at, at you've read that. Um <laughs> also at points yeah. she has the phoenix I force. Did. Like she has the phoenix yeah. force at points in Mars and. So so here now let's oh, kind of sick. use this to kind of steer us into what's happening in the actual issues. So there is like a gene subplot that's running through these issues which is that Mora has kind of realized the full extent of Gene's powers. That's where we open on in 125 mm-hmm. is Mora is Testing Gene and there's some really interesting Mora dialogue uh, and voiceover and narration here. Mora is second only to Xavier in in this kind of mutant research and genetics. She doesn't scare easily. Yeah, I bet. Uh, <laughs> and Gene is the daughter she can never dare have. Mora McTaggart is afraid, which has layers because not only within the actual story she's afraid of what she's wrought with Proteus, but you know Mora could probably produce some other. Very powerful mutants, if she wanted to. and um, But she now sees what's going on with Gene. Now, if we put our House of X2 knowledge on top of this, Phoenix has happened in at least one other life. We saw the Phoenix 5 yeah. in life number four. But that doesn't mean all of this Gene stuff went down the way that it went down there. Mm-hmm. And um, Morris seems genuinely surprised, alarmed, concerned at just how powerful Gene might actually grow to be. And in parallel, we see Xavier in space like finally getting around to read the after action report of some of the McCrown crystal stuff. And Xavier realizes it too. And of course, when you layer all of this Mora stuff we know now on top of it, they're both not only having an O oh crap moment to Gene being that powerful, they're maybe also having an O oh crap moment of like this could end the universe and end our whole lifetime gambit, plan. our yeah. whole Mora X plan before it exactly. comes to fruition. Tyler, what are your what are your thoughts on the kind of I gene mean, that, power subplot here? That was the the Xavier run, rushing back was exactly
1: how i thought um you know with the hotspots back story, I mean, story right now that that was exactly how i thought um <laughs> he was thinking he he wasn't <laughs> rushing back to save Gene. he was rushing back to prevent jean from destroying this timeline in which <laughs> they have they have done so much <laughs> yeah to to ensure human uh mutants uh supremacy you know um a uh, a uh, 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 a couple of years later. so so that's what I was thinking of like um, I mean in, in Moira's um, sense, I thought this was the part which sort of break a little bit from Hickman's uh, recon. and so I mean I didn't really think in terms of like oh wait, she she met the Phoenix 5 before. So so I'm, I was kind of surprised that she was that surprised you know of, of, of the Phoenix power here.
0: Now, Freya, you don't have quite as much baggage as we do coming to that. What did you think about Mora's realization of the, the dawning on her of how much power Jean truly is wielding at this point?
2: So I kind of looked at it more as like, oh, this is something new than what she has seen before mm. firsthand life and whether her, her the gears were turning in her head. How can we how can I use it? for the new this new life because every we have seen it that in every life there was something new like you know something new she tried right Mm -hmm. um and given that this is kind of the last chance or so she or so destiny tells us um like you know she just ruined everything for her <laughs> she probably thought that ooh, this is like a new thing that i'm trying so i'm kind of that's one of the reasons like any, anytime like she was pro pro like you know she was testing all these new things on her and then it's like oh let's let's see what you can do let's twirl a little bit like i thought that that's where it came from that she was trying to see how this can be used for our target like our hmm. uh, plan that's how I looked at it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, Claremont lays it on real thick here with Jean, not only having more a kind of react to her as a scientist, but Jean does her whole little fashion moment where she twirls around and she telekinetically rearranges the molecules yeah. of her costume, which we've seen her do before, but not with every twirl of a pirouette, every one being a new costume. And then she also makes this, or somebody else makes the comment about her, that she's changing her metabolism so she doesn't get as cold without as many clothes on, which is not the same of just the, like telekinetically screening out the cold air. Basically, she's manipulating things down to a m- molecular level. She's her own reality warper now. And it's really interesting to see that plot overlaid on the Proteus plot, especially mm-hmm. with our future knowledge, because Mora's like, oh, wow, like here I had this reality warper under lock and key, and Jean is at that level too. Where she's able to manipulate, you know, reality. um Although she still cannot detect Proteus or Mora psychically, yeah. and neither can Cerebro. I wonder if that's a trait that Mora or Joe have passed down to well, the child. I think Mora
2: well, has th- that. Yeah. yeah. Mora cannot yeah. be detected. Yeah.
1: Like,
0: and at the know, moment, sh- neither can Proteus. You're
1: right. Yeah. That In this was story, Proteus like... couldn't, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We but just that, kind of... that, you didn't that feel like a plot device? It's like, oh like it's it like a, oh we yeah, can't can come can.
0: back and sewing up all those yeah. plot devices into, <laughs> a, into an actual plot that's
2: true yeah but you know one thing i was gonna say though is like um that uh, that clothes changing if if i'm not saying that it's happening but if x-men are to have a gala that clothes changing would really come in handy to come up with a new
0: style (laughs) well that is a a phoenix enhanced power which we don't have anybody with the phoenix outside of jason and avengers right now yeah
1: right now the (gasps) avengers are fighting for the phoenix power yeah all spoilers (laughs) 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 it's
0: my fault i I did it oh
2: damn okay so
0: the only other other thing that really happens in 2025 is fun Finally, we get, after 10 issues, we get this mixed connection moment of the X-Men realizing that the other X-Men yeah. are alive. Colleen, Wing, and Misty never gave up the game. But Beast <laughs> comes to check on the X-Mansion and he's like, the alarms are off. And then he gets in a fight. And then the X-Men are like, you're alive. And then he's like, well, Gene too. And then Cyclops freaks out and calls Mariela. And Cyclops is so wound up, not because of Gene though, but because Polaris is attacked off screen by Proteus on Mariela, that Cyclops fires up the team so fast that at the beginning of 126, we find out that he didn't even bring Beast with them. Like he was, Beast was right there, but Cyclops has them all in the air so fast, uh, you know that he, the, the Beast doesn't even have time to get on the Blackbird.
2: And then it actually, they actually, one of them actually said, "Oh, Beast asked us to wait for him." It's like, no, we don't yeah. have time. Let's go. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go, let's um, go. Yeah,
1: because Beast said he has to go back to the Avengers Mansion to to inform like Cap or Thor that he he needs to leave to Maui Island for the Yeah, for, it for was the at reunion. that time.
2: Yeah, it was at yeah. that time when there was no telephone, there was no cell phone. So No. Tough luck.
0: Yeah, well the mansion was having problems with the phone service yeah. being turned yeah. off. And, and also really. and also like weirdly
1: Nightcrawler is just standing above the front door waiting for <laughs> intruders to come in. He's <laughs> like he has uh-huh. nothing to do, so he's just like, oh, I'm going to hide in the shadows here, just <laughs> waiting true. for someone to come in. <laughs> That's true. Because, it, because, because the alarm has all been disarmed, right? Because right. This they're that. living
0: in the office, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: in the mansion, so, yeah. So they're not, I mean, so, so <laughs> yeah, so so I don't know. Nightcrawler is just randomly doing, like, sneaky <laughs> stuff. Like, Oh, let's see if I can hide in the shadow above the door, the front door.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, to that point, though, it's like I was... I what I didn't quite understand that who knows what and everything because the thing is like Lorna and them like oh hey Skyclass how are you you're alive like I mean did it feel like it was it was just kind of like oh great like I don't know there was like not enough emotion on this. Well, also, you
0: would think that Cyclops, like Cyclops, Havoc was never presumed dead. So you would think even if wait. Cyclops thinks Gene is dead, that he would want exactly. to call his brother and be like, I'm not dead. So there's, there's you know, you got it. There's yeah. comic contrivances happening in here. No, like, you I, know, mean, I mean, wait, wait, that, wait, like, I'm... did
1: express surprise, though. She does. No,
2: she, well, did. she did. No, she does. Yeah. But my that's my question, what Peter was saying. That why don't they know that they're alive? Because he didn't come back and tell his brother that, hey, I'm I'm okay. And
0: like, they've been no. back for a while now, because they were like training before training? the arcade yeah. thing happened. Yeah. It's not like they're yeah. like fresh off the plane uh, from their whole like Japan well, alpha flight everything anymore. Yeah. I mean, is is really
1: the the question is really between Arcade and the start of this issue, right? Because I think I think the start of Arcade issue was when um, Scott went to turn on the, telephone. the the telephone. So, so, presumably, after they turn on, he would try <laughs> oh, to contact someone, oh, right? Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So but maybe he's got, only procrastinating they, by, like, a day. Yeah, then, so, so then they got, got caught by Arcade.
2: Oh, okay. And then they, then he got, like, ho- all, like, all, um... All tied up with the with the danger room, and then yeah. forgot to call. And then
1: Colleen Wien gave him the key, so he forgot to... Oh, so. yeah, oh, then yeah. he forgot
2: everything. Yeah. Okay, that <laughs> makes so much sense. And yeah, this was before text messaging people, so that makes sense. I mean, that I don't remember that world, but... Uh, <laughs>
1: or, or, or maybe Scott did call Havoc, but he called Alex in uh, Alaska. And no one picks up the phone because they were supposed to be studying rocks in Alaska.
0: Oh, yeah. Good point. <gasps> Claremont Claremont okay. keeps track of these things. I'm sure yeah. he had a plan. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Yeah. There's one other thing in 125, which is worth mentioning, which is the other subplot, uh, which is that Magneto is back on Asteroid M kind of licking his wounds. And I've, you know, a number of very attractive panels, but there's nothing really comes of it. Claremont's just reminding us that Magneto's still in play somewhere. Yeah. And that won't really come into fruition for... Quite some time. Well, quite some time, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was, so now I was we move a little sad that he didn't show up. You, you know,
0: yeah. in 126, you know, Cyclops has dr- gotten the team across the ocean in an hour. And they come in hard on Muir Island. He He's in a blind panic because Gene's there. They're at risk. Lorna yelled on the phone. He's definitely merging some of his concerns with some of his other concerns here uh, in terms, you know, he really is, I think, quite anxious to see Gene. But he's like, we've got to save Lorna. Okay, Scott. And so, you know... Colossus plummets to the island. Everybody deploys. There's some mistaken identity stuff. And eventually, everybody gets back on the same page and kind of gives each other all of the exposition that they need, which is that Proteus is loose and that he stole a spare Madrox and rode that body out of Dodge and onto the uh, Scottish mainland. There's some and poor, poor uh, Angus McWorder, Here he lies. He, he was one of the most plot-significant humans in X-Men history. <laughs> he was racist about renting them a boat, and then he was Proteus' means of escape, and we'll never forget him. Uh, so I don't know how much there is to talk about here, other than Cyclops and Jean reunited at last. What did you think about that, Varia?
2: Ugh, these two should not be together. <laughs> like, ugh, like just- You like, can tell seriously. by they're
0: like, hi, it's great to see hi. you. <laughs>
2: Like, ugh, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm telling you. They, this, this is why I just don't feel comfortable anytime two of them. are t- Like, it's like ugh, something like it's like a brothers and sisters. Like, I don't know. There's something weird about them. And the thing is, like, Cyclops, man, he's been like, Colin gave him a key and everything. And his first thing was Jason. That was the first thing he tells Gene. <gasps> who's jason it's like no one of your concern yeah yeah mr colin like no one of your concern <laughs> like it, no. was just, it was just that's what i'm telling you it's just like two of them like that's her that's his first word to her yeah like he's been thinking everything else he's been thinking his first word to her is jason these two should not be together
1: well that's all. because because Jean just just got the image of jason and called out to jason
2: I know, I know that. Yeah. But the thing is, like you know, his first words, like e- you know, first words to her after thinking that she's dead, should not be that. Is what I'm saying. Like this kind of shows yeah. that they're not meant for
1: each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. but, but then you know that I mean, like Burn drew that 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 reunion scene where Jean was looking at Scott and Wolverine was looking at Jean, and I thought it was really really. <laughs> really really subtle and like uh, oh even even
0: claremont didn't didn't do anything in his caption he didn't write anything in the caption right he's like yeah, starting then, to really really trust burn there's no like wolverine yeah. eyed her yeah longing. like he just the art just sells it that just mm-hmm. sells it and yeah but the thing is like
2: later later in the in the in the issue episode sorry later in the issue wolverine's like yeah i love her like don't you hit her it's like what happened to Mariko? Like, (laughs) I'm like, I didn't forget about Mariko. I know it's been two weeks I read those, like, or a month since I read those issues, but I didn't forget about Mariko. Excuse me. But
1: but Logan is a man, like, who can love multiple women at the same time.
2: Oh, okay, his heart is too big. Okay,
1: I gotcha. You know, you know what, gotcha. His body
2: might be too short, heart is really big. His 90% is heart, his body, like. (laughs)
1: I mean the, the the strange thing here is that um, Byrne is not uh, credited as the co-plotter for one two five and one two six. he actually they actually credit him separately, so Claremont as a writer and Byrne as the as as the artist. So I was wondering like, hmm, that's that's a little bit weird because I thought they have been collaborating.
0: I almost wonder if it's that Claremont just knew he had to get so much plot material in in 125 and 126 but then because of all the reality warping stuff that like 127 and 128 were more marvel method where he was like I don't know Burn Nightcrawler tries to stop him and Burn just draws these like ridiculous pages and we'll get to the I have a lot to say about the reality warping art but we'll get there in a moment um at the risk of reading into every more McTaggart line, which I just can't help doing as I'm rereading right now, <laughs> there are a few that made my my ears perk up. One is uh, to say to Cyclops, "You've no idea how glad I am to see you both alive," which is like not only that they came to rescue her, but like you know, she knows how integral these X Men yeah. are to their plan. So like the idea that there was a team wipe, and knowing that in because of of um, Deadly Genesis, her backup team also wiped. Like she's like, she's probably in there being like, God damn it, I got to go collect rain and we got to activate the new mutants, right? Like she's already to her like third plan. (laughs) So she's like, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to rely on backups on backups. But then the other thing that like really, really jumped out and you know that Hickman read this panel as he was making all of his sinister notes here is that she's on a road trip with Cyclops loading her gun and she (laughs) says that Proteus was a beautiful baby uh, hated she hated his father, but loved him, and still do. And when his mutant power emerged, changing him, she tried to find a cure. We all know that that is not true, because if she tried to find a cure, Destiny and Mystique would be on her like green on grass.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a faced lie. That was I was yeah, like, she just uh,
0: straight up lied, Tried to find a cure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like no, you didn't. You were a mutant ally. You would never try to like you know cure a mutant like you know a mute like mutancy. Like that's not your thing. So it's like why are you lying? It was like girl, that's a lie. But the thing is like I every time she she has a gun, I'm like life seven or no life six? No life seven. So like, whichever
0: seven, one. Seven. Seven, life seven. Seven. <laughs> she's real good with the gun in here. I mean, she's doing like sniper shots. She's like yeah. firing, she's really, really. Hickman made it. Rick, oh, yeah. That makes sense. It was Hickman yeah. all along.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it is also this issue that we have the first mention of Wolverine's adamantum. <gasps> I thought that was the first time. Yes. Yeah. No, before that, it was hinted at that his bones are sort of like unbreakable or something like that. And then the claws act. Yeah. But they it never was just, like.
0: Come out and say it. Yeah, this yeah. one just comes out and say that.
2: Yeah, and this is, and I, I also noticed that because at first he was like, "Oh," because I thought they're just going to mention his claws, but then he's yeah. like, "Then he's like, no, it's like all of me is like yeah. adamantium." Oh, I'm getting
1: there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the the other thing that struck me about, and you kind of hinted at it in that Moira statement, is the way that Moira used to work as a character is like she had this baby who was a mutant. She was all by herself, but she was also a Nobel Prize winner. And so she's like, I'm going to cure this. And in not being able to cure it, she kind of becomes an ally. And she knew Professor X at some point. And and it actually kind of doesn't make a ton of sense if you line it all up. Because, like, (laughs) really, this person who met Professor X and then randomly had a mutant baby, it kind of just, like, doesn't all line up. Now, of course, we know that she... She's just telling a version of events that mirrors her own journey from life one to life three of finding out she was a mutant and trying to find a cure to Scott because it's convenient and it's a convenient lie because there was never a cure and she never was she maybe was a little bit alarmed by how hard Proteus was to control, but she also might just had him in that room like somebody, you know, a kid like keeping a baby bird in a shoebox under their bed uh, just to like hide it from everybody else. Like, I don't know if we have to fully buy that he was in the room just because he was hard to control. He was in the room because it wasn't time to use him yet yeah
2: which is kind of a little upsetting as well like it's like oh you're just hiding your child like hiding this person away until he's useful to you like and not just
1: hiding him away like hiding him and keep keep keeping him alive right because she's she's, she created this
0: this cell with like the energy that that Mm -hmm. feeds him right so yeah. yeah (laughs) Well, also, there's a discrepancy in the timeline. I think we're meant to read Proteus here as being anywhere from 16 to 19, I kind of always thought, or even older. But if you go by the math in the timeline in House of X2 that continues through all of Hawksboxes, Uh, Proteus is like 10 to 12 years old here. What? Really young. But it's kind of like, and so you have to, but he also says that every time he gets into somebody else's body, he absorbs that person's memories and personality almost in like a reverse rogue kind of way. So you have to wonder if his like sheer seething hatred here um, develops by being in McWhorter's body and then the cop's body and whatever. Like we have no way to know um, how evil yeah. or old original Proteus is because we don't really get to experience him before he takes over McWhorter's body. Yeah, I, I blame well, McWiddle. No, like, honest... Well,
2: hold on, hold on. <laughs> but agent. no, no, but hold on, hold on. It has to be more than 20, though. Because he says, like, she says that it has been 20 years She hasn't seen Joe. So yeah, but that's, has like,
0: be... <laughs> sliding oh, time still. Like, I mean, you're right. You are 100% right. It yeah, just yeah, yeah, can't yeah. be 20 okay. years anymore.
2: Oh, okay. Because, because of, of the, the straight. Oh, okay. okay yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. But, but the thing is, like, yeah, it's just, like, I'm, like, if he's 10, then that's, like, oh, poor baby. Like, he just got his power then. And then he then he got shoved into a vault. It's Like, yeah. stay there. Oh, that's mm. not mm. the mother of the year
1: at work. No. Oh, that, but we know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's true. Uh, so we're going to talk about the end of the issue now. It's going to be tempting to talk about classic X-Men 32, but I really want to save it to the end. So at the end of the issue, Wolverine and Nightcrawler manage to corner Proteus, and we get that whole revelation about Wolverine's adamantium body. And uh, so Proteus really begins with the serious reality warping, which we haven't really fully seen yet up until this point. Mm -hmm. At this point, he's just been this body snatcher. And Wolverine, even though he's relatively immune, is just absolutely shaken to his core by this bendy twisty rubbery journey that proteus takes him on and proteus realizes that he can't get into wolverine nightcrawlers have no use because he sticks out like a sore thumb so proteus gets fixated on storm Storm. thoughts on the sequence tyler
1: no i thought i mean i thought it was kind of brilliant because because he's like oh yeah um i'm nightcrawler is the obvious easy target here for me to get into and then it's like um but no i can't i can't hide you know looking like him so (laughs) let's go to storm and um you know so so as to delay i mean it's kind of like delaying the action so that the rest of the x-men could potentially catch up but um yeah, I mean, and and then of course, you know, the next issue we get quite a few other things happening which I, which 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 for me I think was the part that I that that I actually remembered, like very distinctively. Um distinctively when when uh, uh even now, like even before I reread this, I remember that particular sequence of scenes that
0: um um that that that, that I loved. So Freya, you had something right as we began talking about this. What did you have to say about this encounter?
2: Well, one thing is like um, <clears throat> Proteus called Storm Blackbird. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was weird. Re- re- um,
0: really sensitive guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. like weird. Um, and then the other thing was that um, this was—I don't know. I mean, in modern, if you're looking at it from the modern point of view, it's like, oh, Proteus surely will not hurt a cop. Like, it's like, okay, why? <laughs> like. <laughs> like why is that so different but yeah that just kind of two things that uh, uh that stuck out but the thing is that i really liked seeing all the reality torping things and i think this is where uh we will have more to say in issue like when we go to 32 but uh spoilers, there was like a lot of that
1: spoilers
2: i know we will say that at that time um yeah. but then also we also see that uh, you know when um storm was pushing him there was actually nothing there like you know it just like you know the, it was just his silhouette so Energy, that's yeah, yeah that's kind of like cool like he actually doesn't have a have anything it just just the being yeah. like and so also i, I think pretty,
0: pretty,
1: pretty. i mean there's also this this whole um theme about well not theme like whole characteristics about storm not willing to take a life because mm. i think she won't even kill uh, bees yeah I totally know. fabricated I
0: was, yeah.
2: bees
1: yeah like, bees that were like reality her. warp from like um crumbling bricks and she's like oh they are bees i can't kill them so i'm just <laughs> well, going to create a fault. wind to sweep them away yeah so 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 i mean so she's she's still being um what do you call um the 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 jia you know the earth goddess type of 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 more here yeah. right now mm. like i think i think Claremont is still using her in that
0: you know re- using that characteristics for her right at this point in time so i agree uh so i think before we get into 127 and 128 which so much go together that it's going to be hard to kind of tear one away from the other mm-hmm. let's talk about the art for a moment so marvel in the silver age has done a lot of very uh off-the-wall art for different reasons Mm -hmm. sometimes in dr strange because he's going through dimensions uh sometimes in shield just from like a pure graphic design standpoint but i think Byrne brings a really different surrealist type of art to this because it's very to me influenced by salvador dali and also influenced by like pop art like it's very kind of like almost parts of it the boldness of the color and the way he reduces things to just shapes remind, has like a certain kind of Andy Warhol quality to it. And I just feel like, you know, Byrne's at this point a little younger than some of the guys that are drawing those other things. And I just think Byrne is bringing like a different, version of psychedelic to this than we've seen in some of the other Marvel books that are generally credited as psychedelic. This is like a much bolder, more plasticky, more melted candle wax version of psychedelic than than I think had been in many Marvel comics to this point. And it's honestly really impressive. Like we don't, I think we forget because he's so good at figure work that he's a good cartoonist, but like some of this cartooning of reality going wibbly wobbly is really really cool. I don't know. What did you think about um, just the nature of his bent reality illustration across these issues? I mean, I I like that
1: the fact that he immediately changes the panel layout
0: mm. to
1: not square. Like he like none of the you know um, panels were like really square, and he he keeps changing them. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I mean even when i first read it i was like okay this is this is weird but i didn't think too much because i wasn't i wasn't a um i I mean i I don't think of myself as uh as someone who who who, who knows how to appreciate art when i first read things really comics so 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 my my art knowledge right in terms of like pop art or or even classical art is not very deep so i don't have like um you know, I don't have a great appreciation of, like, you know, great artists of the past because, um, yeah, because I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm mostly so, faking it, as I do in yeah. the fashion as well. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, but I mean, there are some, like, um, certain things, like, after, actually, certain things after I moved move to New York, I, I begin to mm. uh, recognize almost immediately. But, you know, when I was when I was first reading these issues um it, it really doesn't register too much to me I was like oh this is really weird um they, they are becoming bubbles they're becoming uh cartoony they're becoming <laughs> like stretchy and that's that was the extent of it and I think there was one point where um where um the the is it this issue or another issue where like the the, the, the people just like crumbles into like different bubbles and things like that so I thought that was like I mean in that sense it was interesting but i did not detect any um
0: uh influence like like you did Freya. what about you anything to say about burns art here and the reality bending
2: so because i knew that his power is reality warping this is what i was looking forward to (laughs) to see that how he like you know how it's kind of shown without like claremont just narrating in the background that oh my god he's he's bending them into bubbles like get it <laughs> but this is like uh so it wasn't that and i was happy to see that like it was different kinds, and then like what as tyler said that the panel changed and then they were just becoming whoopey like you know and all the things that you were saying that different influences and everything so from that point of view and then we see later in like issue uh 126 and 127 like all the other different things that he does um so i think from that point of view it was like a a plus in terms of point um capturing the the essence of reality bending,
1: mm-hmm. and, and also made- I think go, at, go at this point Proteus is still learning his powers, so right. he's yeah, still he's never not really loose. been out in the open doing yeah. this before theoretically, yeah. right? Exactly. So I think he's just like he's just realizing realizing how how you know powerful he is and and then of course quickly realizing that the more he uses powers the more he's burning up his host so mm. um yeah so i think i thought that was pretty interesting kind of like um putting the him into that situation where he's like okay I, you know i i need to find a new host immediately because i'm burning this up so that that put like that puts a circuit breaker on him before he utterly destroyed the, the x men before they could do anything so
2: so who is more powerful, him or uh, Jamie?
1: Jamie, I think.
2: Just because of skill level or just because of... I it?
0: think I think Power. so. Uh. I, I think the nature of their powers is a little bit different. I feel like you and I mm-hmm. talked about this um, on my channel before when we were talking about who's the most powerful <laughs> J- mutant. I was like, well, Jamie yeah. or Proteus, probably. Yeah. Uh, because Proteus <laughs> can kind of melt reality to do the things that he wants it to do, but it's kind of dependent on his vision where I think with Jamie a lot of the times it's it's made out like he's pulling the strings of reality. It's almost like he's playing a harp. And so over time, he's figured out what strings to do to do what. Sometimes when Jamie is really desperate and under fire, he just pulls a random string and somebody turns into a banana or something. And he like didn't yeah. intend to make them a banana. But like he can he can really mess things up. But over time, he's become a wonderful harpist of reality, and he can get melodic effects out of reality mm-hmm. because he knows what strings to pull. Whereas Proteus, it, it always, I could be totally wrong. This is something Zach could come on and tell me I'm totally wrong. Well, Call him up yeah. after this and ask him. But I've always seen Proteus as it being more like pure imagination. Like, what does Proteus want to do? um He doesn't really have to have a learning curve that we've seen. Really, there's only like two Proteus stories ever, as far as I can think of. It's this one and Charles Soule's Astonishing X Men. I know. Does he ever that come back one, one other ever. time in the middle, Tyler? Is that it? I, I mean, oh, seriously? Wonder- is this it? <laughs> this is all the produce we're gonna get well he's dead
1: uh, he's dead he's been destroyed well um, I, dead i
2: that's what i thought i want to
1: say those are the these are the only two that i remember so i don't actually remember anything else actually all right <laughs> um, i'm checking well, I'm no on, because the thing I'm is checking. like off
2: with with him being there and this is like so where does mastermind fall in place like he's like nowhere even on their skill. like uh, what, no, what does no. he oh he's
1: no Mastermind is like, nah. So Proteus
0: is one of, theoretically, the many... Spoilers, we're talking about stuff from 2010, all right? Batting down the hatches. Proteus is theoretically one of the many mutants who are resurrected in X necrotia I think, because he does briefly Um, come back in a little bit of X-Men legacy in Carrie's run, and they do have to briefly deal with him on Mirror Island, but it's while he's like a living dead person and they dispose of him ultimately. And then his like consciousness is around and he gets brought back during that Charles Soule 12 issues yep. astonishing run, which really kind of sets up some of the Hickman stuff, even though you don't have to read it at all to appreciate yeah. Hickman. It, it kind of has some of the thematic stuff that Hickman picks up. So, Oh, yeah. go ahead, Tyler. So, oh, so, 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 so my... in oh, okay. Hickman's, uh, house of X one, Jamie
1: Braddock's reality manipulation is on the quantum level, whereas Proteus' reality manipulation is, is in, in the um, psionics level, uh, or, oh. or psychic, psychic level. So it's like on sense. two different. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sure it does. Well, no, because we, I mean, we see him as this body hoppy. He's a consciousness. He's affecting okay. people's minds, yeah. their perceptions. He can also bud in reality, but it's like on oh. a, it's on like a mental level. Yes. I see. Okay, gotcha. Jamie is like in, in, in your atoms rearranging your stuff. All right. You know? oh, okay. Like,
2: so, so he's, Jamie's actually changing it when Proteus is changing your
0: perception of it. No, yep. I think he's cha- I think he's, he's not just changing perception, but he has the ability ah. to make people also believe the thing. I guess. I mean, again, there's only yeah. three Proteus stories. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> but,
0: but, but they are... I'm not are, even,
2: I'm not even going to ask, I'm not even going to ask where Legion falls into all of this. Well, they are both,
1: they are both, um, I mean, they are definitely, um, you know, Omega. Yeah. And Legion too. But yes. Legion is not a reality whopper in, in Hickman's definition. He what is, is he? a power manifestation. So in one uh, of his power manifestation right. is reality warping,
0: but he's so, an omega level power manifester. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, so he can manifest
0: a lot of powers, different yeah, powers.
2: He's, he's insane.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no matter then, how you look at him, there's well, no controlling him. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, is like if he's the only one that Pro- uh, Professor X came back and like, hey, look at you, look at this, we our plan works. Like, no, nope, go back. <laughs> <laughs> procreate again yeah. this is not well,
1: it i know but but there's like two other like uh, reality whopper right one is MacArthur, which is mr m and here he says his met uh, meta manipulation and then of course we have the recon franklin richards which is a universal reality whopper but we're so, not going to spoil
0: anything recent with franklin yeah. richards okay so, so uh, so look, 127 and 128, a lot of it is filling in the details of Mora's relationship to, with Joe, which we talked about at the top here. Mm-hmm. We realize that Proteus is kind of making a beeline for Joe McTaggart. He wants this revenge on his father figure who he's never met, and Mora figures this out pretty quickly and is on the chase, right? Uh, In the middle of this comes a scene that I find so hilarious. It's just such a (laughs) quintessential Claremont X-Men scene, which is that Wolverine's rattled, the team just got their butts kicked by Proteus, even though we saw them in a pretty decent danger room situation, at mm-hmm. the top of this in 125 where they kind of take initiative and try to like get around Scott. And so Scott just decides that he's going to spring some training on them in the middle of the field by just straight up attacking them to see what they'll do because that's yeah. good management, right? And uh, and it just <laughs> leads to this moment of um, of Scott just totally beating them down, which is yeah. kind of neat in a way because it, it kind of gives us a moment of how competent Scott is, which, quite mm-hmm. frankly, we have not gotten a whole lot of, yeah. I don't think, in the, in the Claremont well, he- run so far. <laughs> He just got sucker punched by Moira. Yes, well, I mean Moira just takes him out, right? Which again, Hickman's reading this and he's as he's making his notes, he's going, "How is it that Moira could take Scott Scott out if Scott then takes out the whole team? How does that Life. transitive profit work?" Life, Life seven. seven.
2: <laughs> so I mean, no, but the thing is, like, it. In I will say though, because the thing is. Wolverine over here said this is one issue I'm somehow agreeing with Wolverine and I'm appreciating oh Cyclops I'm like what is happening to me because I was also thinking I'm like oh look at him actually trying to get the team back in their feet because they are like there's like a like Proteus is on the moose and he's like oh everyone yeah. like Hoover is there shaking like this I, was like, oh, I don't want to talk about <laughs> it like you know and then so he needed to kind of get into action and he did and then Wolverine also said that I ain't much of you you as a much of you in the past, like as a team leader or as a man. I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> 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 and then, and now see, I'm thinking see. about it now. So, so the thing is, from that point of view, it was really good. And I'm like, oh, is this like, is this why he's the ta- ta- captain now? Like, you know, or commander, yeah. whatever he no, is. No, but like,
1: that's the. This is this is the this sequence of pages is the scene that I that that stuck with me. When I first read it. Mm. So because I thought it was wonderful. And it's also the first time I think Wolverine acknowledged Cyclops as the leader. And, you know, probably why he, you know, why he's, they are in the, whatever they're happening on the summer house right now. But, um, yeah, but, 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 but like in, in, in my memory, this is the first time where um, Cyclops earned Wolverine's
0: um, respect. I think that's a which, fair read of it. I do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which, which I thought
0: yeah. was I- important because- They don't like love each other after this, but he, Wolverine no. <laughs> will work with Cyclops after this. Yes. Like yes. He a- they actually will create synergy with each other in a way that they exactly. haven't previously. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah and i mean i know that's true though because previously even though he was listening to cyclops and that thing that was just mostly his military um like you know sensibility kicking in that hey i should listen to my commander but it wasn't out of respect i think this is the first time where it's like there's a respect but then also uh, cyclops says uh and neither does moira she's a normal human not a mutant i'm like no
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no <laughs>
1: Lea, do you know yeah, yeah. Me- like you know meanwhile- it, was, it was
2: like Oh, like narrators like she was not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, Proteus makes it all the way to his father takes over his body, all, you know, and now Mora gets there, having ditched Cyclops, and Proteus is already pretty quickly burning through Joe, but it's okay for now, until Wolverine like totally guts his his, his body. Uh, but he's menacing Mora because, you know, now he's got his own personal hatred for her plus Joe's hatred for her, so he's got bonus double exponential hate. And Mora gives this, you know, she's cornered. And you have to think that a cornered Mora is probably a really dangerous thing at this point. And she gives this little monologue Death after endless death without thought or care or mercy till there's no one left alive on earth save you. Is that what the future holds? And she's kind of like yeah i mean she, she sees like, that in, <laughs> that that's like sex right like she's literally narrating to him that like you can be whatever powerful mutant you freaking want to be and it's all gonna fail because i've tried every which version of it and you're always gonna be alone at the end and then you're gonna die which is yeah. so much again hickman genius uh you, you're hearing it from my mouth i might not like his dialogue but his planning is impeccable um Genius. Agreed. So we end this issue with Mora is kind of captured by Proteus and the X-Men come to engage and Mora briefly offers to sacrifice herself, which is mm-hmm. like, you have to wonder now, like, was that a play or was she like, well, better for me to get sacrificed than him to inhabit me? Because it is game over if, Pur- if Proteus gets into Mora's body and realizes all of the knowledge that Maura has. Because yeah. he, again, is like a reverse rogue. Once he gets into your body, he knows all your stuff. That would be a fate than death for all of reality. So, Moira's like, if it comes down to it, shoot me.
2: That's what I read. I mean, you know, it was mm. mostly, I what whether she was actually meaning it or whether it was mostly just like, let's just see how far I can push this before I can get out yeah. of here. um But right. I did, well, I do want to mention the one thing is like how quickly, like, she had her hands in her pocket and then it's like, oh, you know, Moira, like, you know, the Joe is like there and then she just whips out the pistol like that <laughs> I, I thought that was like a, such a like oh, it was no, like no. and then and then there's also actually lines wrote like you know drawn to show that the she just go went a whoosh and i'm like love that yeah <laughs> that was really good
1: <laughs> well, no but also also Jean right gene telepathically carrying five x-men
2: <laughs> oh yes that was yeah. that was something. I really wish they just kept don't didn't kept on mentioning it, or Scott yeah. just, uh, Scott just didn't keep on thinking about it. But as yeah. she was carrying all five, uh, Alex was holding on to dear Lorna like this I know. on the side. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's so pathetic. <laughs> <Even
0: then. laughs> well, he's so and- pure. <laughs> he just wants to be with Lorna. He doesn't care yeah, about all the other oh, stuff. Like, oh, yeah. but, like
1: it's so. But, he needs
2: to be protected. But the him.
1: thing the thing with with Jean is that not only is she carrying them like telepathically, five of them, she's making them
0: fly like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> they right, they're not just yeah, at a yeah they're like, ooh. <laughs> like if you had to carry a bunch of random mutants around with you telepathically, wouldn't you kind of just mush them up into a ball? Like yeah. with, you know, there's more efficient ways to, to do yeah. that. <laughs> because you look at Scott, it's like, oh, he's flying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do it again. Do it again, Tyler. <laughs>
0: But again, it's all these little subtle things that Claremont is doing to show us that she's more powerful. And here's a note, which we've kind of offhandedly mentioned. These Mm -hmm. four issues have relatively little captioning from Claremont other than when he's doing recap. And flashback, he is not describing yeah. the art a whole lot. He's not even really describing Gene's power as much as he has before. Mm-hmm. So especially with 127 and 128, probably being mar- Marvel methods since Byrne gets the co-write or the co-plot, yeah. um, he's kind of just letting the art do the lifting. And we're really getting a sense at this point, the Gene, I mean, free. are you feeling it? Like this Gene is not the Gene that we knew even in Magneto's lair in underneath the volcano. I'm feeling the gene. <laughs> You're feeling the gene. So look, we, roll into the... The, we roll into the final issue here. And there's really only two big plot points for me, although I'm open to anything you all want to talk about. It's the fight against Proteus and reality. The two things that always really stick out to me about this issue is A, this is really good teamwork from the team. It's like the Magneto fight where like Nightcrawler realizes to teleport away the um, the helmet. You know, like the one that always sticks out to me is Cyclops realizes he can catch Wolverine by shooting him with his optic beams. Which I just <laughs> yeah. think yeah. it's so great. But the whole team really like is working. You know, you feel like all this training has finally paid off and they're reunited and they're powerful. And also, um, Colossus the Killer. Right, which which kind of completes this little mini arc that we've had for Colossus mm-hmm. that starts out, that's really developed in a lot of the classic issues, right, like him as the artist, the ballerina leaves him because he's a mutant. He he shags his way through the Savage Land. He goes back to Mother Russia briefly, but then comes back. Then after the whole arcade, the proletariat thing, like there there's almost this whole journey that he's been on where he realizes he really is part of this team. This is his first family. And if he has to do something that's against his own morals, his own beliefs, but it's to save his family, he will do that thing. So anything along those lines or other lines that you want to pull out here, Faria, or, or or anything else?
2: Uh, no, I really love, love the fighting because, and I think now I'm just suddenly realizing why I it took me about six minutes per issue to read these because you were right, there was no caption. Like
0: yeah. everything that was needed, <laughs> that
2: was just presented, now I'm actually realizing that and I truly enjoyed it. And I understood what was going on, you know, like, so I'm like, Please, Grandpa, you don't need to explain everything to me. <laughs> no. um, but, but I also love that, you know, everyone's using their power as much as they can, you know? I really love it when superheroes are actually using their power to fight rather than, like, oh, I don't know, or, like, you know, just running around like a headless chicken. Um, the one that Cyclops catching Wolverine like that, and Wolverine going, ow, 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 oh.
0: <laughs> ow, that
2: was, that was the best thing that ever happened Um <laughs> I, I really like, you know, I I, I like that Colossus didn't go like, oh, I can't kill. You know, it's like, nah, you, you're you going down.
0: You're gonna be fine. You
2: are, yeah, you, yeah, you're you are too much, like you, you're going down. Um, and then the one that um, I do want to mention though, there's like one scene where Jean's like, there's like a skeleton.
0: Oh, but the, I love that panel.
2: Okay, so the thing is, does the skeleton has boobs? Because I feel like the skeleton has a boob. <laughs>
0: No, that's no, her body. The outline not. of her body <laughs> okay. is a the skull. Body. It's just the rib cage. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like, okay. a little rotated maybe. Yeah. Okay. So that- That's okay. just, that I just wanna... the rib cage. The rib okay. cage coming
2: out. Okay. okay, okay. That's that's yeah. good. That's good. Oh, I, see what, like... yeah,
0: I think I see what you mean. No, Freya, there are no, bre- no breast bone. I mean, the breast bone is not a literal breast bone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> i wanted to ask that question i'm like is that supposed to be bone like boob bone or, or like you know breast bone or something I'm like because that doesn't happen
0: yeah. I, I mean like now you know, i'm not. just like living <laughs> for the hilarity of one of these like 90s artists who's like never studied anatomy and the and the writer is like draw them in x-ray the power's like lighting up their skeleton and the artist without even thinking about it like puts this little like boob bone on <laughs> the
2: They never went second base with any ladies. That's why they didn't know. Because here's what I'm telling you though. Because when I say that, I actually checked myself. I'm like, is there no? I know! The bones are underneath. But anyway, I just wanted to break that up. Thank you for indulging me and clarifying the situation.
0: I mean, I just like the panel because it's pink. We've established no. that any time there's bright pink, I like it. No,
2: oh, no, no. no. it's. To be honest, it's a great panel, though, because I think we don't actually see that a lot. Like, you know, if someone getting zapped, you don't actually see that. Like, you know, you see that in movies, but not necessarily in comics. So from that point of view, it was perfect. But then I'm like, whoa, hold up. It's supposed to be boobones. That's where
0: I got. And I also think it was like a nice thematic moment of like this all powerful goddess Jean. Like she's a she's still a skeleton inside of a body. You know, Mm -hmm. she's not this swirling morass of cosmic energy. There's still a person in there, and who still has vulnerabilities as a person. And that's absolutely Mm going to be a theme in the next ten issues. Tyler, what did you take away from one twenty eight? I actually do not have a lot of notes here because I was just reading through
1: and enjoying it. Yeah. And um there's one thing which I was which I thought was a little bit inconsistent was um, Cyclops asking Jean to uh, scan for Proteus when she had already told him that I couldn't detect him. So that was the only part which I thought was, oh, maybe Caramon forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And he started writing and then putting in more words here. And then um, the other thing was like Colossus' attempt at humor. He's like, oh, I do not rust.
0: <laughs> I know. No, no, no. He just killed this person. He's probably broken up inside. Yeah. Moor's crying because they ruined her whole freaking plan. And he's like, "Don't worry, I don't rust." And, and a wonderful <laughs> little Wizard of Oz callback, right? Like with the yeah. Tin Man, just a really exactly. cute moment. And but and what about like, that?
1: Sorry.
2: Goes, no, no, go, go ahead. On, go
1: on. No, I was talking about the art. Well, like, what about when when Colossus like punch into Proteus, and you have that white lines, <clears throat> radiant lines. Oh, that was so beautiful.
2: It's like, um, I wonder if they now talk about it over at the lagoon. Like, remember that time you uh, you like destroyed me? <laughs> oh no, sorry, he's not there anymore. He's in Savage Land somewhere. <laughs> um, the the what I was gonna say though, it's really nice that in the uh, behind the scene, everyone's like walking away, but it's Moira and uh, Sean Cassidy. They're just, and then yeah. Sean. There was one one time we didn't mention before. Sean is like husband. <laughs> <laughs> what is the what <laughs> like jason you know, so that was, husband yeah <laughs> exactly but no to be honest sean is justified at that it's like husband uh like you yeah, know because i think he was under me. the impression yeah i think he was under the impression that she was a widower at this point so you know so i, I he that what is justified it's like i would ask like what <laughs> so
0: yeah <laughs> and i just I, you know I'm, I'm really starting to appreciate that like if you read it with all of the Hickman stuff in mind, Moore is not immune to human emotions. You know, she's this badass <laughs> through life 10. But like, I I do genuinely believe that she likes Banshee. And I don't mm. think she, she clearly had met him at least once in one of the in lives four through nine, I would imagine. Yeah. But I I don't know that I really believe there's some big ulterior motive to her dating Banshee. I just think mm. that she's still a human being. I honestly you do. Cannot-
2: you cannot have an ulterior motive when you're dating Banshee. Look at him, like oh. you know, bless him, like you know. It's <laughs> like he's it just he's just too pure. He needs to. Well, she, she
1: she needed a red red shirt on Krakoa, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's
2: oh my <laughs> So I mean, that's to me, that's one of the reason I was kind, like you know. I always kind of even though he's like a motor mouth, but I'm like maybe you should tell him that you're around. I don't know.
0: Maybe. I think, yeah, he's. Just, I like, like Tyler's read. He's just somebody she can easily sacrifice if anybody comes for her, right? She's like, oh, take the <laughs> drop, Banshee, just like in the in the lake when she's like, yeah. no, don't drop, Banshee. Okay, we're moving on now to the three classic X-Men issues. Mm-hmm. The first one is classic X-Men 24, which happened actually before now, but because it is so much of the mastermind manipulating gene, even though I love to read things chronologically, some yeah. things just aren't fun to read chronologically. And I think it reads right. better after masterminds reveal of the manipulation of Gene here to see what he's done already. So, Gene is mm-hmm. on her worldwide eat, pray, love vacation. He goes to, I think, Gr- the uh, Greece Islands is, is where yeah. we are yeah. yeah, here. And islands. he yeah. engineers her losing her things, her passport, so that she'll have to rely on him exclusively. And even though he's doing some masterminding here in terms of like getting the kids to steal her stuff and like manipulating clearly what he looks like, he's not this handsome, he's not really directly manipulating Gene in this story. I get the feeling that this is him seeing how far he can push her just with psychology. That's my read on it anyway. And at points, Gene, I mean, Gene spurns him repeatedly she doesn't even want to talk to him at the beginning she doesn't yeah. want to like accept his help he kisses her one time and she's like get off me and at the end he really thinks he's wound her up as this post-human phoenix who's going to like take over the world and she's like no that's not what i'm about so i kind of look i, I think of this story as gene's three rejections of mastermind where he realizes he's going to have to escalate to building this whole different reality around her because the thing that he would do to normal people which i'm sure he's done many times over just don't work gene's a little bit too yeah. canny for that, so Freya, what were your thoughts on Mastermind, the the utter creep, the one of the worst creeps in the history of X Men yeah. in this backup story?
2: So it kind of reads like every romantic comedy that's out there, where it's like, oh, you met someone, but he's not who he is, but oh, at the end, we're in love anyway. So <clears throat> it kind of has that story point. Uh, but he kept on talking about Black Queen. So what's that about? Like, you know, and that's one of the reasons I wasn't sure that if she's he's trying to bring about something in her the same way, like, you know, there's like this same stories that plays out again and again. Like, oh, you are the chosen one and you have to be that. And I think it felt like, oh, he's just trying to push her into being that. So, like, once again, without reading the Phoenix Saga, it was just like, oh, okay, some setup, something's going on. What is
1: this? Yeah i mean that's exactly the um i think the takeaway you should get from this story like he's trying to push her into a role and that role is you know the black queen but um what it is you know you don't really have to know right now but you would realize what
0: it is like very very soon
2: okay I'm, i'm looking forward to it
0: we have two more classic X-Men stories. But because Tyler and Freya have promised modern-day spoilers when we talk spoilers, about number 32, spoilers. we're going to talk about number 33 first, and then we'll give you your ample warning <laughs> so you could just turn off the program if you don't want to be spoiled on really new stuff, okay? Uh, yeah. So classic X-Men 33, these are both by Ann Nesenti, and they are both deeply weird, which I'm starting to <laughs> learn is a theme with yes. Anne Nesenti <laughs> writing X-Men stories. Yes.
1: Exactly. So this
0: story <laughs> Havoc is hallucinating as as they're just driving around, like on their way, to, you know, doing the search for Proteus that's happening in the middle of these yeah. two issues, these four issues. And Havoc is just full-on hallucinating that he's like merging with Lorna, that he's that they're one, that he's losing her, that he's going crazy, except for it is not reality warping. Havoc yeah. is just having some mental well-being problems here. <laughs> And, and and really struggling with this idea of being an X-Men and being called to duty, which he really, truly does not want. But at the same time, he seems like kind of scared of this oneness, this life with Mora. A lot of this imagery could be seen as like a metaphor for their eventual marriage and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And it's like everything scares him. He's just scared by all of it. And he's like full on disassociating as a result. Freya. I mean, I I just love your reactions to Havoc because it's all so new and so pure for you. What did you think about Havoc here?
2: Uh, I mean, knowing what we know about him and then the fact that he always has this, like, never stable, always kind of, like, living in the shadow, a huge shadow of his brother, both younger and the older one. uh, Like, I wasn't sure that it was because he was affected by Proteus, because he was maybe in produce's blast in one of the blast and he's like that's kind of bringing up a lot of thing i wasn't sure but the whole thing was like get a get it together like i just to like get agree get a grip of reality like just just get it together i think Laura said the same thing and i kind of agree mm. i'm like you're dating magneto's daughter you need to be better than this guy like <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could think about and I, I also understand that you know that he's scared and i think that like, that's something that's worthwhile exploring for at least mm-hmm. one x-men or one mutant who is like hey i just kind of got into this you know but i feel like it it either it needed to be more or not at all because this isn't this ain't it because this just made ends, ends up making him look like a weirdo
0: yeah, but I almost the... feel like it would have been better if Proteus was involved a little yeah. bit to right. trigger it. Even if he just zaps them once and then like moves on to the rest of the battle, I, f- I feel like it would have given it more of an impetus. But Tyler, what did you think? No, I was thinking, like, um,
1: I mean, the first thing when I read through the whole thing, I was like, again, uh, when I read, read through it again, I was like, uh, what the... <laughs> like, this is a really weird way to realize you love someone, and then... <laughs> And, and also a weird way to realize that, you know, the X-Men could meant the end of the two of you uh, somehow. And the the thing also is that what I thought was maybe kind of refreshing is that it's, it's not a girl, it's not a female character thinking oh, about
2: yes. that. Oh, yes, yes.
1: So there's a gender s- swap here where, you know, Ann Osenti basically, you know, make Havoc the one who is like so insecure and so afraid of the future of being like a superhero and also the one that was like so deeply in love with lona that you know that he he couldn't see himself um being an x-men and dying because of an x-men or because he's 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 you know of of what he sees the x-men does Mm -hmm. um so so that's that's that was what i thought was kind of refreshing but yeah it's weird
2: (laughs) Ta- I'm, I'm finally getting to Tyler. Tyler's not beginning to realize this whole genre bending things. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now we come to classic X-Men 32. Just a reminder, Tyler and Free are gonna spoil really recent, like just barely on Marvel Unlimited comics. So yeah. if you're not really close to present <clears> on <throat> X-Men, now you could turn off the program, although we will have a little outro where we talk about what to read next, but you'll be fine. So I'll mm-hmm. just recap it generally and then I'm, I, I open the floor. So um, Classic X-Men 32, the backup also by Nacenti, occurs in the middle of Kurt and Logan's confrontation with Proteus at the mm-hmm. end of 126. And uh, it really shows why Wolverine was so rattled. It just gives us a lot more material of what Proteus is putting Wolverine through. And one of the really big themes here is that Logan's self-abuse, which is a really interesting beat that Claremont didn't really have his arms around at that point. You know, Logan smokes, he drinks, he just throws himself into battle after battle because he knows his body can he knows his body can take it. But mm-hmm. this is like a, a, a form of self-harm. It is, I mean, it is self-harm. It is. And Logan just knows that he's gonna recover from whatever harm he does to himself, which means he can harm himself all the time as a coping mechanism, which is a really I mean the Senti, every once in a while she strikes gold because that is a really good read on Wolverine. But now yeah. maybe. Or maybe not, I don't know. Because now I'm going to turn the floor over to the two of you with plenty of modern day spoilers. Go. <laughs> well, not
1: plenty, but uh, Fariha, since you got that page, you should start.
2: <laughs> so the thing is that the, all the reality warping that's happening, that's actually was consa- put into one page in Wolverine 7, right? Like uh, for yeah, the. I think 7. Yeah, for the X of Swords in one yeah. page by Josh Kassara. It's like the whole. Uh, Like everything that reality Warping was going on, it was actually taken into one wordless page by Kasara when he is fighting uh, that... Summoner. Summoner, yes. Yeah, in black spoke yes and i actually have the original page of that and i look at it every day so (laughs) when i when i watched it when i was reading it i'm like ah, josh Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but but the thing is this that's why wolverine could defeat summoner so easily because he was trained he has been through this before so so when he was like jumping into the different realities uh universe um you know Mm the um half universe or, or you know dying universes in in black spoke he could he could withstand all the changes whereas some might not be as you know as as attuned to that so that was what my that was really the spoiler here I thought
2: right <laughs> it's well, interesting. I'm glad I I didn't. I didn't see that. Uh, I didn't catch that part of it. But yeah. But as uh, I was looking at, I'm glad that to both, like you know, two of us also got that. And I only got it because I look at that original page every day. It's just there. <laughs> like I'm, I'm watching it when I'm reading it, and then yeah. I'm like, hold up.
0: <laughs> hold on.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's all there is to it.
0: I guess I. I so I genuinely didn't know what you were going to bring up, and as I was reading it, I was. And then you mentioned that it connects somehow to X of Swords. I thought you were gonna connect it maybe to, and again, full spoilers, uh, when Saturnine, when he stabs Saturnine and she gives him the vision of kind of the future where he's the only one left because he's undying, but it like it's mm. it's useless. Like it's just pain. And I, I didn't mm-hmm. I, I just thought maybe you were gonna connect this to that because you know, Wolverine gets crucified an awful lot and and left yeah. undead. Yeah.
2: That's like every Wolverine story. So yeah. we're used to that. <laughs>
0: Well, folks, we have come all the way to the end of this Proteus discussion, which, again, is one of the main reasons we even wanted to do this. But we have another 10 issues to get through of X-Men for the Phoenix Saga. So next episode, it's going to be a big one because a lot of classic X-Men issues fit in. Plus, it has the debut of Emma Frost, (gasps) Kitty Pryde, and (gasps) Dazzler. So here is your homework, if you want to read along with us next time. We're reading Uncanny X-Men 129 to 131. And then during 129, there's a break for training or something. And Mm -hmm. these classic X-Men issues happen in this order during that break. 36, 35, 34, 39, and 20. Personally, I think you should just read all of 129 to 131 and then read those issues. Mm -hmm. Also, if for some reason you skipped Classic X-Men 7 earlier on, which shows what Emma was doing around the um, Sentinels picking up Scott and Jean in Uncanny X-Men 98 through 100, this would be a good time to read that as well. And also, please listen to ABBA's Gimme 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 parentheses a man after midnight because in my uh, you'll learn more next episode but i strongly associate that song with dazzler's debut and we might even risk a copyright claim to play it on the episode so <laughs> now that i've outlined everything happening next issue any final parting thoughts on finally reading this together in a post hoxpox world i'll start with tyler and then we'll end with faria I, I don't really have a lot of um
1: thoughts that i that have not articulated throughout this episode so um, you know, I mean, I, I I I'm I think we are getting to the point where I think very uh, High is finally on board, and not I've like, been always oh, on board. So many.
0: So <laughs> it's like oh, I have to read so many. Yeah, but you've alums. been on board with hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah. I think the difference yes. is that you're you're on board on reading X Men now. <laughs> X Men now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's what true. Do you, yeah. wait, is that that's true? true.
2: You know that's hundred percent true because the thing is like I, I don't know how I would feel about this issue if without the current status quo but yeah, even with yeah e- you know you know but it's even then this is significantly better than what we've been reading all this time and by the way we I know we spoil spoiled everything with Hawk's Puff, but guess what even Marvel Unlimited when you were end with this issue it says <laughs> that hey look go read Hawk's <laughs> one I'm <And>, like why. <laughs> What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it's not just us who are telling you this. It's Marvel also telling you that you should, after you read this, go read Hawkswan. So, you know, I mean, I like I said, like, I think after this is the, the most more exciting parts coming up. The biggest thing that Phoenix Saga that everyone cannot stop talking about it's coming up and then finally I'll get to read it. So I'm excited, I'm excited guys.
0: Excellent. Well, I mean, this this whole sequence and especially these four issues in specific really illustrates something because Tyler and I have read these in isolation before many times over. But mm-hmm. what we now know to be true is what, Fariha?
2: X-Men is better when it's wrapped together.
0: Yeah, and I'm you know, i so happy if you're listening to this and reading along with us because honestly, I don't know if I've ever loved these issues as much as I've loved them this time around. Uh, And I'm so excited to finally get to this because this was the whole genesis of this project. But we're not done because we have to get all the way to the Dark Phoenix saga before we take a season break. So stick Mm -hmm. with us here on our Epic X-Men reread presented by Crushing Comics. And on behalf of myself, Tyler, and Faria, until we next see, hear, and speak to you, please be well. Bye.